You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Man, it's so good to see you guys today, and we're going to continue in our series, Generations. Hey, oh, thank you for that. Polite matter of applause. Good to see you. So um, uh, we're going to continue in our Generations series, and remember last week, uh, we said that the visions of the young and the dreams of the old create the beauty of the future. And so this is not like the old people church where the young people have no role here. This is not the young people church where we put all the old people out to pasture and kick them out of here. But together, we're going to create the beauty of the future for the kingdom of God, for a city, for a nation, for our world. And so before we study the Bible together today, what do you say we talk to the Lord and pray to him as we bow our heads before the Lord, if you're comfortable to put a hand out in a position to receive from the Lord today. Um, And let's pray like this. Those who are spiritual investigators are praying, God, if you're really out there, would you please reveal yourself to me and communicate and connect with me today? And those of us that are already believers, we're praying, God, we don't want to be like those Pharisees and those hypocrites who look in the mirror and see what we look like and don't do the word of God and obey. And so we're open-hearted, we're open-minded, we don't have it all together and we don't know it all. And so we commit ourselves to receive from your word today and pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Uh, Well, this week I want to take you back to the 80s in church life uh, because back in the 80s, Churches were oftentimes very mom and pop kinds of organizations, and oftentimes they were very disorganized and not very efficiently run. And what that prompted was for a lot of pastors, pastors started going to business books and business seminars to really organize churches and make them more efficient. And so they were reacting something that needed to be reacted to. Um, Pastors were going to these business resources to be able to uh, create more organized churches. And that's good in some ways, isn't it? But here's where it kind of got bad, is that when I came Back to the church life, when I came back into the ministry in 2003 from the corporate world, I noticed a bunch of my pastor friends had turned their organisms into organizations. And they had taken some of the dysfunction from the corporate world and force-fed it into the church. And they had made their families into franchises. And I don't know that that's altogether Good. Now, certainly our families at home should be well organized, right? And our churches should efficiently use resources, facilities, staffing, and all of that to further the mission. Um, We should be organized, but let's ferociously protect our family environment because as you're going to see today as we study through the Bible, the Bible language for the people of God is family language, all throughout the Bible. And I believe this corporatization of churches has wounded a lot of people. Have you ever known someone who said, I love Jesus, but I just am not so into the church? We've all heard that. And the reason we've heard that a lot of times is because of legitimate wounds in people because uh, of the corporatization of churches. Now, if you've ever said, I love Jesus, but I really don't so much like the church, you're going to have a problem when you get to the Bible and it talks, talks about the one another's and how we've got to be in community in relationship with other believers in the family called the church. And then some of you 
are very introverted and you're like, hey, I like my alone time with God, but when it comes time to being around other Christians, other believers, that's where I struggle. People annoy me. You know, I like to be alone. I like to be alone with God. And I want to be a lone Christian, lone ranger Christian. And as you study the Bible, um, you're going to have some challenges with the passages that talk about the one another's and being in community together. Sure, God wants you to be alone with him, but God also wants you to be in community with other believers, and sometimes rubbing up against other believers is what causes us to genuinely grow spiritually. And so I want to make this one statement today, and that is City Church Downtown is a family, not a franchise. I've said this many times before. I'm going to say it many times uh, in the future, but would you say this statement with me when I point to you? You ready? City Church Downtown is a family, not a franchise. We're a family, not a franchise. And today, I'm going to show you five different ways or characteristics of a family, five different ways where we're trying to be spiritual family and five different characteristics of our family. And the first one is this. Our family is appropriately affectionate. We're appropriately affectionate. I want to take you to Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It says, love one another with what? Brotherly affection. And then he goes on to say, outdo one another in showing honor. And you know, one of the ways that we honor each other is by expressing appropriate kinds of affection to each other. Um, So I'm going to have you guys do an exercise here in just a minute uh, to apply this passage. So would you stand up with me? When you stand up, that means you use your knees and it makes you get up just like that. And we're going to apply this scripture according to the ways of Tommy Boy. Have have we ever seen the movie Tommy Boy uh, where he says, brothers don't shake hands, brothers gotta hug, you know? And so before you do it, I know you're excited to hug people and all that, uh, but before you do, um, I wanna give you some guidelines for this because you don't wanna be creepy guy hug. You know what I'm saying by that? Where you hang on too long, you creep people out and that kind of stuff. Okay, just an appropriate side hug like that because remember, we wanna honor people when we give this affectionate. And so turn to a couple different people and say, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers or sisters got a hug. Go ahead. Okay, I had to even get in on the action. You guys go ahead and take a seat there. That's good times, isn't it? That feels kind of good. You guys could have gone all day long. (laughs) I'll never forget. um, Years ago, I went to Eastern Europe in Romania, and I walked into a state-run orphanage, and when I went in, there was a room that was almost as big as this lower level here, and it was filled with beds and children on the beds with their arms holding themselves like this, rocking back and forth. And our guide explained to me that the reason the children were holding themselves and rocking back and forth is because they never got any physical attention and they were simulating a hug. You know, children who don't get the appropriate physical affection don't develop like they're supposed to develop And did you know that some people who come to our services and shake hands during the welcome and join hands at the benediction at the end, it's the only physical touch some people get all week. And that's why our family is so important that we give appropriate kinds of 
physical touch. Now look at number two. Our family is a confluence. A confluence is a place where two streams come together. So if you've gone on the south side to Confluence Park, that's where the San Antonio River and the San Pedro Creek, they come together. It's two streams coming together. And we are many streams, spiritually speaking, denominationally speaking, that have come together. So we have people from different Christian streams, like some of you have been Presbyterians, others have been Methodists, or some really dark places like Baptists, others of you um, have been like Church of Christ. Um, the majority of us in this family come from Catholic background, but whatever your Christian background, denominational background, we come together as one family, and we appreciate the traditions of uh, the many different streams from which we come. We come together, but also we come together, we're a confluence of racial streams. We're an interracial family here at City Church downtown. While our culture is in the midst of these race wars where they're throwing stones at each other, when we come here to worship, we're a confluence. We come together in unity and love as family, as an interracial family. While in some churches, they're like still the most segregated hour in America, we come together and be the least segregated hour in America as we come together in a confluence. In fact, I've got these friends of mine that I hang around with that are pastors and our churches are all interracial churches and we call ourselves the Neapolitan Gospel Coalition. And so I've got my friend Pastor Dante there and Pastor Jubal there and we come together and we're Neapolitan because we believe the family of God has got to have some chocolate and it's got to have some chamoy and it's got to have some vanilla bean too. You know what I'm saying, yo? So this is the family of God. But look at the third idea of our family, and that is our family is a household, not a headquarters. It's a household, not a headquarters. And we'll go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It describes church as the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. And so we're a place that's a household with fathers and mothers, spiritually speaking, and brothers and sisters and sons and daughters. And we are like this foundation or a pillar of the truth. We are passing on the truth of the word of God, the truth of the gospel to uh, the next generation. That is part of the purpose of uh, the church. And we're not so much the church building and the structure that you see around you, but the church is when the people of God come together. We're a household of individual people indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And when we gather together as we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, we become the spiritual pillars of the truth uh, together in worship. But look at the next one, number four. Our family has clearly defined roles. We have these roles. And I want to break these down uh, from the scriptures. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time. But look at what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 46. While he was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so I want to ask you today, who's your mama? Who's your daddy? You know, spiritually speaking, because these are the roles. Uh, and Jesus says, the people that are really my family 
are the people who do the will of the Father. And certainly we want our biological families to also be our spiritual families. But when it comes down to it, sometimes uh, we don't have biological family members who are spiritual family members. And we uh, can have that connection in Christ as we come to faith in him. But look at how John breaks down the spiritual family in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now let's break each of these down just for a minute. He says, John says of little children, your sins are forgiven, okay? You're in a place where you're receiving massive amounts of grace in your life. You're walking in your new identity as children of God. You're not receiving all the guilt, shame, and negativity that came from your old identity where the enemy and the culture and others try and tell you uh, you're awful and you're worthless and all of this, but you're receiving the grace that comes from the cross. When you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, you became a precious child. In fact, I brought a picture today uh, that I think is a great picture of the way God and your spiritual family views you. This is a family members, Victoria and Hector Cavazos and their new baby, Benjamin. You see that beautiful little Benjamin down there? And that little baby won the lottery because he's got these awesome parents. They're going to raise him in a wonderful, loving Christian home. I mean, these are good people. And that little baby is going to be nurtured and cared for in a wonderful home. And look, when we look at that baby, we think that baby is precious in every way. And I want to tell you something. This is the way that God views you, little children in the Lord. Those of you that have come to faith in him recently and come to know him, this is the way not only God views you, but it's the way the family that's surrounding you views you as a precious child of God, an infant in the Lord. But how many of you parents know that the Cavazoses are also going to be changing some diapers, aren't they? With babies comes a little bit of crap, isn't there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's what happens in our church. Any church that doesn't shovel a little bit of crap uh, is not a church that's reaching some babies for the Lord because we've got to change a few spiritual diapers. And you know what? We love you. We're not pointing the finger at you that we have to change your diaper. It's a labor of love. We care about you because we know that we've had our share of dirty diapers too. Anybody give me amen on that one, right? We're not throwing stones. We know that we've struggled as well. And so never look down your nose at a church or a place that has a bunch of spiritual dirty diapers. That just means God is trusting them with his adopted children, see? But another thing I want to show you is that it's natural for you who are infants in the Lord to crave the word of God. Look at 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have uh, had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And so if you don't have the Bible app, go to your app store for Android or uh, iPhone and get the YouVersion Bible app so you can read the Bible in many different translations. But um, you uh, are natural, naturally supposed to crave 
the Word of God. Some of you that are new believers, you can't wait to get to church on the weekend so that you can hear the Word of God taught. Uh, You love to go to groups and classes where people can teach you. You're hungry for it, and that's a good thing. It's a bad sign if you don't crave or hunger for the Word of God in your life. So let me ask you this question. How many of you, no matter your biological age, have been baptized in the past five years or have started to just really try and follow God uh, in the past five years. Just get your hands up real quick. Don't be shy on that. Wow, a bunch of us all over uh, this room. Okay, you can put your hands down uh, now. We have a lot of infants in the Lord or uh, little children in the Lord. And so you ask, Pastor Doug, what am I supposed to do? Well, I would say, as we've already said, make sure you're in the Word of God, feeding on the Word of God. Be a part of a tribe here at the church so you can have some brothers and sisters who can encourage you in the Lord. But another thing I want to challenge you in, uh, little children in the Lord, is to invite friends. Is because uh, when you are newest in the Lord, you, you have the most number of relationships with people who don't know Christ and who feel far from God. And so it's helpful for you to invite those friends along with you in this journey to know uh, the Lord. But I think another important part for little children in the Lord is to identify your spiritual family tree. Do you know your spiritual family tree? For me, I know that uh, I had a lot of, I was a handful, and so I had a lot of spiritual fathers who had to bring me uh, into a place of faith. I, I think about my biological parents who had me in church where I'd hear the word of God and believe. I think about my first youth pastor named Ralph who helped me along and challenged me in the Lord. There was a kid, I was in high school when I really started trying to really walk with God. I mean, I had my ticket to heaven before, but I really started trying to walk with God in high school. And I was, this high school kind of pretty arrogant. And there was this uh, seventh grade kid Now, I don't like seventh grade kids when I was in high school. Uh, I think they're punks. I pick on them, okay? But this seventh grade kid, he was like a prodigy. He was like kind of a a brilliant kid. He was smarter than most kids in their 20s. And when he would speak the word of God, I just he was like a spiritual father to me. He challenged me spiritually. I think about my youth pastor, Phil, who discipled me along. I think about Steve, who was a tribe leader, a class leader for me that stuck with me through thick and thin. And years later, Pastor Miriam was like a mother to me in many regards, as was Pastor Brent. And so if you've identified, have you identified your spiritual family tree? And one of the things I want to encourage you to do this week is through text message, through post, through written note, or however, honor your spiritual parents. I just posted on my friend Steve's wall a couple of weeks ago to encourage him and thank him for investing in my life as a teenager. I honored him, and I could tell it filled his love tank. Spiritual parents need our honor, do they not? So honor those spiritual parents. But look at the next group, the young men and women. And here John says, you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. And so some of you are spiritual young men and women because you're strong in the Lord. You've you've learned to feed yourself the word of God. You don't need to be spoon fed anymore, but you can read the word of God for yourself and feed yourself. And the Bible says you've overcome the enemy. So you've overcome a few of those things in your life that were addictions or struggles or problems. You've kind of gotten over the hump on some of those issues in your life and you have a lot of spiritual energy. So I want to ask you, how many of you would identify yourselves as no matter your biological age, as spiritual young men and women. You can feed yourself the word of God and you've overcome a few things. You're like, get your hands up real quick. Young men and women in the Lord. Good. 
Here's what I want to encourage you in. Here's one of the things that happens with young men and women. I see it over and over and over again is that young men and women tend to or can tend to bounce around like a spiritual pinball from one family, one ministry, one church to another. And the reason is you've got all this energy from the Lord. You've grown in the Lord a little bit and you seem to bounce from one need to another or from one church to another where you hear an inspiring sermon or whatever and you bounce all around. And I wanna ask you to consider something planting roots and going deep with a family. And here's why. For you to get to the next level that I'm gonna talk about in just a minute as a spiritual parent, you have to be present. Look, presence is important. How many of you know that we don't want our children to have spiritual parents who bounce in and out of their lives? A lot of us have experienced that, had adults in our lives that just bailed on us continually. We want our students at City Youth to have spiritual parents who are with them over the long haul. We want our kids, city kids, to have people who are present in their lives over the long haul, not spiritual pinballs bouncing here, uh, round and yonder, right? And so even if it's not here, go somewhere else and go deep. We, of course, want you here. We think this is the greatest church in the universe, but we understand that this, you know, there are lots of great churches all around the city. Um, and so I'd stay, uh, go deep somewhere and focus your commitment there. But look at the next group, the fathers and mothers. The Bible says, you know him. You know God's ways. You know how God operates because you've walked with God over a period of years. And the characteristics of uh, fathers and mothers is that you're very familiar with God's ways because you know him. Now, if you ask me, uh, Doug, do you know Julian Castro, the former mayor of San Antonio? Um, and, you know, of course, HUD uh, secretary and all that. Well, um, I would say, well, I've met him. I've even been to his birthday party. He and Julian and I have the same, uh, or he and Joaquin, uh, rather, and I have the same birthday, and I got invited to their birthday party one year, and I shook hands and, you know, all of that, but I don't know him. But if you ask me, do you know Lorenzo Gomez? Well, Lorenzo Gomez is one of my very good friends, and we spent a lot of time together. We've traveled together. We eat at each other's homes, and we've told stories together, and I can tell you his stories, and he can tell you my stories because we spent time together, and I know his ways. I know how he operates, and he knows my ways and how I operate, uh, and that is the characteristic of the spiritual mother and father is you understand and know the ways of God, not from head knowledge, but from spending time with him in intimate relationship. But another characteristic of a father and mother is that you've reproduced. And what I mean by reproduced is, is that you're a spiritual father or mother when you have helped lead someone to faith in Christ and you've helped disciple them along the way. And some of you are about to transition into spiritual parenthood uh, as you help people come to faith in Christ. And so let me ask you this question. How many of you would identify as spiritual parents? You've walked with God for maybe 10 or 20 years or more, uh, and you feel like you know his ways. You're not being braggadocious here, but you're just saying, hey, look, I've also reproduced and I've led people to Christ. You get your hands up. Go ahead, raise them up. Don't, don't be shy. Okay, a few of you. Here's one of the things I've noticed in all of the services that we've had today at our church. When I ask about spiritual children in every one of the services, we'd had a lot of hands, okay? And then I ask about, you know, the spiritual young men and women, and we have a fair number of hands. 
And then I ask about the spiritual parents, and you know the deal, right? We have a few hands in the air. Well, spiritual parents, I want to encourage you and thank you for those of you who continue to mentor, train, love, disciple, and parent the children and young men and women in our church, in this faith community, in this family, in this house. But I also want to challenge you to consider, if you're not doing it right now, to start adopting some children. It's time to start adoptions, spiritual children's. And Humby would like you to go to citychurchdowndown.com slash tribes if you would like to fill out an application so that perhaps you can mother and father some children in the Lord and go deep with them in spiritual mentoring kinds of relationships. And um, I'm dreaming of a day when every spiritual child and young man and woman in our church has a mentor. In fact, I'm taking our staff through a process right now that's called Hero Maker. And in November, we're going to do a series called Hero Maker here on the weekends. Every weekend, we're going to teach you how to mentor other people so that it's not just you being the hero, but it's you training people to become the hero makers who can multiply and spread the kingdom of God through uh, their circles of influence. We're going to train you how to have your fruit grow on other people's trees to further the kingdom of God. So I'm excited about that. But look at the fifth characteristic of our city, uh, of our our family, rather. Uh, We add to our family from those who feel far from God. So you know at City Church Downtown, our mission statement is we're helping people who feel far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so we're not just seeking to rob people uh, from other churches or people who are maybe, you know, upset with their pastor. We're not trying to suck them over here to City Church. We want them to stay at their church. We want them to ask for forgiveness and deal with the issues that they have at their church so that they can continue in deep family relationships there, right? Um, Because what happens is if people just transfer their dysfunction when they're upset with people and all that. You should pick a church according to the vision, the vision and the family. So uh, we look at Ephesians 2, 19, it says this. So now you Gentiles, and if you want to translate Gentiles, just change out the words. Those of you that feel far from God, that's a Gentile, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all God's holy people. You're members of God's what? family, right? You're members of God's family. Now we look at that verse and we see the word foreigners there. And we immediately, our minds go to immigration issues, right? And those of us in San Antonio, we feel pretty strong about immigration issues because there are many among us in our church family that have family members that are not U.S. citizens. And we see a lot of great people, a lot of hardworking people that want to come here and they're trying to become citizens and somehow the system blocks them and that bothers us as it should and we should pray them in. But one of the things we understand is that our loyalty and commitment is with family first and then nation. I am kingdom of God, family of God, Number one, priority. And I'm American way second. Dude, I love America, right? I'm all about 
Fourth of July, you know, America, man. Apple pie, hot dog, Chevrolet. Like I've traveled all over the world and this is the best place to be. I can guarantee you that. I love it. I pray for it. I thank God for it. I vote and all that stuff. But I am telling you, the kingdoms of men only last for a few hundred years sometimes and then they fizzle. But the kingdom of God will endure forever and ever and ever. And our first allegiance is there. So look. And some of you felt very far from God before you came to church. You felt like a foreigner. But what I'm here to tell you is that you're not only, when you believed in Christ and came here, you're not just a citizen, but you're family now. You're family. And our commitment is to you. So here's the question for a lot of church leaders and a lot of church people. Because people get worked up, you know, they see all the, you know, people who are not going to church these days and they think, well, how do we get all these people who feel far from God to come to our church and stuff? Well, here's what some people think. They think, well, we've got to get the greatest intellectual speakers uh, and, uh, you know, these great scholars to come to our church. And that's, that's great, isn't it? I mean, it would be really great to have like Robbie Zacharias come here or William Lane Craig or uh, maybe, you know, uh, you know, Someone like, uh, I like Alvin Plantinga. He's a brilliant philosopher. Then there's a guy named John Lennox of Oxford who's a brilliant Christ follower and scholar. And, uh, and I sometimes have thought, hey, if I could just get those guys up here, then, then people would know that we're the real family of God around here. Or sometimes I've thought, and, and others have thought, hey, if you can just get the Christian celebrities around, you know, get them to stand up and speak at your churches. Then everybody would want to come because they think it faith is popular, right? So we could get like Denzel Washington or like Chris Pratt or maybe Tim Tebow or someone to come take a knee, you know, do the whole deal. Then, then we could really convince everyone that we're the family of God, that we're the real people of God. But I think here's what John would say. Look at 1 John 3.10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not what? Love their brother and sister. It's not just love, but it's love their brother and their sister. We're a family, not a franchise. And look, People aren't going to know we're the real family of God just because we have a cool auditorium or just because intellectuals come here and speak or because celebrities speak here or because we have Christian T-shirts or anything like that. Anything like that. It's going to be all about the love for brother and sister. And look, I'm so proud of so many of you because I hear the stories of you guys being the family of God to each other. Like uh, I heard recently of just one tribe group that they help one of their tribe members move from one apartment to another. And the people that are your family are the people that help you move. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's why I don't buy a pickup truck. I don't want people to help to, to, to ask me to help them move. Uh, but they said the family um, help you to move right on. Uh, I know one lady in our church and that she's single and some of her sisters in the Lord helped her when she had to have a medical procedure because According to this procedure, you know, you can't drive home afterwards. And they took her home. They went and checked on her. They helped her come to church, all of that, uh, because they're family. I think about one family that brought in a troubled teenager to live with them for a period of time. That's family. I think about another family who gave 
another family in our church money to pay for medical bills that they had incurred. That is spiritual family. I think about a woman in our church who was raped and she went to her spiritual mother's house late into the night and cried at the front door and her spiritual mother scooped her up and took her to the hospital, get the tests done and get, uh, get her cared for and get what the authorities would need to deal with this situation. I think about others who have given away cars. I think of other spiritual family members who have helped those in our church that are homeless, get bus passes and get budgeting help and get appropriate kind of housing. That, my friends, is family, and that's what we're aspiring to be here uh, at City Church downtown. And so years ago, a few years ago, there was a young lady that came to our church, and she had little knowledge of her biological father until a spiritual father spoke into her life and encouraged her. And I want to show you Sadie's story by way of video today. Take a look. I was 12 years old, 13 years old, um, when when I started volunteering, and uh, I don't know, I was just like this broken middle schooler, and uh, I just did not know what to do. I had a really bad father wound. Uh, I didn't have my biological father in my life at all. It was just mainly my mom and my grandparents. Shortly after a few years, my mom got married to my sister's dad, and uh, I considered this guy as my dad. Um, once they got divorced, he wanted nothing to do with me. And I remember like feeling kind of just super, um, uh, I guess, not worthy. Coming to church, I actually felt welcomed and I actually felt loved in, in a healthy way. When I would hear God being talked, at, talked about as a father, I just, I, like, I just couldn't wrap my head around it because I just had such a bad picture of what an earthly father was. What snapped for me was, uh, was when Jesse sat me down. I remember him saying, I'm not sure if a father has told you this before, but I think you should know this and hear this. He said that, that I'm beautiful and that he loves me and that there's so much purpose that God has for my life. And uh, I don't know, just those three things just kind of broke me. With Sadie, uh, I just wanted to, to kind of you know, touch base, so to speak. But when I began uh, having, you know, a need in my life, or when I struggled at, in times, uh, I felt surrounded. I felt surrounded by just that relationship, that togetherness. You know, I have a daughter that I wasn't there for. And uh, I missed out. We missed out on, uh, on everything, like everything. I didn't realize at the time uh, what that hole inside of me, uh, how that was influencing me, uh, but it was. Uh, partly because, you know, I, I tend to protect a lot. But another thing is, is that when I do choose to, to put my, my shields down, and let someone in, um, it has to be the right someone. It doesn't happen, you know, very easily, or at least it didn't back then. And uh, I didn't realize it until much later that, uh, that it almost seemed like God was giving me a second chance. Uh, God, God uh, 
uh, gave me the opportunity to be there for someone that really needed it. And uh, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. So this song was the first uh, worship song that I wrote. And I couldn't hide uh, my daddy issues.
And you know, the good thing about our Heavenly Father is that when he's adopting kids, he has this way of being sneaky and he kind of starts nudging you in the right direction. And he nudged some of you here today because he wanted you to know just how much he genuinely cares about you and loves you. And what some of you have thought is that to be God's child, what I have to do is I have to go through some church class. I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to go through a church class. Some of you thought, well, there's gotta be a, a fee that I can pay to get in. There's like dues or something, no. There's no dues, there's nothing you pay. But the answer is found in John 1:12. how you become a child of God. Look at it, it says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Nodes on the network, employees in the company, no. Children of God. And I think it's totally appropriate right now for us to talk to him because some of you need to invite him into your life today. Today's your day. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes before the Lord right now. Perhaps you just want to say in your own heart, in your own words, in your own way to God right now, God, look, I know I've screwed up and sinned. But the best I understand it right now, I choose to believe that when Jesus Christ died and shed his blood on that cross, he was not only paying for my sin, but he was paying my adoption fee. So God, I receive that as a free gift right now today in these moments. Welcome into my life to be my father. And a transition just just took place in many people's hearts and lives into children, from foreigners to children. You're children of God now, receive that. And my sense is, is that there are others among us today that have received like buckets full of guilt and shame because stuff you may have just done last week. And you're not seeing yourself correctly because of that stuff. You're not a scumbag. You're a child. You're a precious child. And some of you got to receive that today. He doesn't see you as less than. He sees you as a precious child. It doesn't matter what you've done last week or last year or last night. But he sees you as a precious child. It doesn't matter. Just cry out to him today. (laughs) And he just holds you and loves you, see? And so you can trade the identity of sinner and scumbag for child of God today. How many of you are helped by that today? Just get a hand up real quick. And you know, every tear that you're crying right now, he cares so much about you that he's collecting every one of them in a bottle because that's how much he cares about you. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives and all of these services today. And we embrace our identity as children, as a family together. And we're surrounded by family members that are absolutely committed to us, that love us. And we thank you for creating such a thing called the church. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.